Good morning, Victory Church. How you doing? Come on, let me hear you. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor this church. And uh, if you're visiting with us, just a couple of announcements. First of all, if you're visiting with us or you've been coming for a couple weeks now, we really want to connect with you. Uh, one of the best things that we think we do here is help provide family and friendship and circles. But we can't do that if we don't know anything about you, all right? So we got to have some type of information where we can reach out to you. We love to give you a phone call during the week and do our best to kind of point you in the right direction. You can do that three different ways. You can scan the QR code that's in front of you in the seat in front of you. That'll send you a connection card. You can text to connect um, it's, uh, to the number 31996. You text VICTORY18 to the number 31996. Or just if you want to, you can just grab that paper connection card that's in front of you, and then as you're walking out today, stop by our Welcome Center and turn that in. And whether you do it online or whether you do it through the paper connection card, we got a special gift for you. It's a, it's a good-looking Victory Church mug. How many of you are coffee people? You coffee people in here? All right. You need Jesus, all right? I don't, I don't drink coffee. But it is a beautiful mug, and we'd love to give it to you and say thank you so much for being with us. Also, if you would like to give towards Victor, we have people every week that are supporting uh, what's happening, not only here on Sunday mornings, but what's happening all throughout uh, the city as we're making impact. As Zenobia said, we were there Friday night, and we were able to minister to so many people. We had so many great conversations, a lot of people that live in this area that said, oh, man, we're going to come check you out. Uh, and then as we were able to raise money for the Nourish Food Bank, we haven't had the time yet to count that up. It was a busy weekend, but we'll let you know next Sunday how much we were able to turn around and give to Nourish Food Bank uh, as, as a result of that. But we're always impacting and doing something in the community. At the end of July, we'll be at a similar community event right here in Antioch, uh, making ourselves known to the community. So again, thank you for your faithfulness. Not only are we able to put on an incredible service every Sunday where people can experience Jesus, but we are we have feet out in the community all throughout the week, making impact, impacting lives, and you'll continue to hear more about that. So if you want to give, you can text to give. Uh, you can go to our online portals, website, app, and give that way. Or as you're leaving today, there'll be an auditorium host with a bucket. You can drop cash, check in there. And again, thank you so much. Thank you for those of you that support Victory, and thank you to those who want to start. Last but not least, before we get in the Word, uh, as you guys know, we're coming up on August, the month of August, and this month, August, all four Sundays, we are doing uh, the series that you know here called At The Movies. All right, y'all excited? And so in case, uh, in case you're visiting with us, you don't know anything about that, basically what happens when you come into our building that Sunday, there'll be fresh popped popcorn, Coca-Cola, there'll be characters from different movies. We already know some of the people, some of the famous stars who will be here uh, throughout those Sundays. Uh, there's just energy in the building, and then you come in here, and what I do is I take a different hit blockbuster movie and take different clips from that movie and preach from it and bring out biblical principles. It's just a great, great time. It's fun for us as a church, but let me help you understand something. We do everything on purpose. We don't do it just because we have nothing else to do. We do it on purpose, and here's the reason for that. It's because we've all got friends, and I'm going to talk a little bit about this today, who got the wrong taste in their mouth when it came to Christ and Christianity, and there's nothing better to kind of reintroduce people to who Christ is and the grace and the mercy and love of Jesus. And what better way to do that than in a series where they get to eat popcorn and drink Coca-Cola in the process, as well as watching clips from some of the hit movies. And so I really want to ask you to do me a favor. We've got um, flyers out there to give you. Erica, Miss Erica, as you know, she's always going above and beyond. She's this year created an At The Movies website that it'll take people to. Yeah, right? Come on, let's give Miss Erica some shout. Yeah. 
in case, in case you ever wonder who runs the church, it's her, all right? Just letting you know. Uh, and so she's always like, this is where you need to be. I'm like, yes, ma'am. Got it. I'm going. Um, but it's great information on these flyers. There's a QR code so your friends can scan that. It'll send them there. They'll be able to register for giveaways and all kinds of stuff. So do me a favor. Get those. Invite your friends. And let's pack this place out for at the movies. Amen? All right. Can't get too excited. I need my voice. All right. So here we go. If you got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We are studying through the Beatitudes. Uh, Jesus is getting ready to preach the greatest sermon ever preached. And he opens it up with about 10 verses where he gives out these blessed are statements, ways that we can be blessed and the, the kind of the result of that. And we've been taking them every Sunday, one by one by one by one. Last week we talked about blessed are the meek. Did y'all enjoy that message? Yeah. Blessed are the meek. And we didn't get that recorded, so if you didn't see it, you know, so be it. You should have been here at church. Uh, but but um, it's, we're excited about today. So what we're going to do is we're going to read through it. And then we'll go into our particular beatitude for today. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, you can look at it on your phone. You can look at it in a paper Bible. Of course, it'll be on the screen behind me. Verse 1, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up onto a mountainside and he sat down and his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And here's what he said. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We talked about the first week how blessed are those who learn to let go. The world's telling you to hold on. Blessed are those who learn to let go and let God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And we talked about how it's okay to feel and it's okay to hurt and how God moves close to the brokenhearted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. We talked last week about being able to get out of the way and let other people win because that's how Jesus would have it. And then he goes on to say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. This is our beatitude for today. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This morning I want to talk to you just from this promise for a second, the promise that you can be satisfied. That according to scripture, Jesus says you and I can be satisfied satisfied. Some of you know this about Darla and I, but about, I don't know, six years ago or so, I had woken up one Saturday morning and I decided I went to the gym and uh, Darla had been up late all night because she will occasionally uh, allow herself to get hired to make cakes and cupcakes and things like that. And she had a particular one. And so she was up till early in the morning making a cake. And I'd woken up, went to the gym and I got this bright idea that I would come back and make breakfast for the family. And so I bought bacon and I bought eggs and all of the American breakfast items and came back and started putting together breakfast. And uh, by now the kids are awake and then Darla wakes up and she comes in and I, I'm stirring the eggs. And over here I've got bacon on the griddle. All right. Anybody like bacon? We like bacon in here. All right. We're doing better. Coffee, bacon, we're getting there. Okay. And um, as the bacon is making that glorious praise pop sound and the smell is going, Darla comes in and she says, honey, I need to inform you of something. And I said, all right, let me know what's up. And she said, I have decided to be vegan. <laughs> and I said, what's vegan? I didn't know what vegan was, you know? And so she goes on to explain to me now. It's like, it's the cool thing to be now, but it wasn't really cool back then. And the concept is you don't eat meat. You don't have cheese because of dairy, but the part that mattered was you don't eat meat. That was the part that I was like, now wait a minute, because I've got bacon on the griddle. I can smell the bacon, and now you're telling me that we're not going to eat the bacon. 
Because here's the deal about a happy marriage. If she's doing it, I'm doing it, right? So what I heard wasn't, sweetheart, I've decided to be vegan. What I heard was, sweetheart, I've decided that you are going to be vegan. And I couldn't quite grasp. Thankfully, she was nice enough to realize that wasn't going to happen. I had my seasons, but, you know, I got to come back and forth every once in a while. But there in that moment, I'm just trying to bring you up. Just come with me to the moment, okay? The moment where you are in your kitchen and you are smelling bacon, cooking bacon. There's no meat on this planet that smells like bacon when you cook it. You don't even like bacon and you like the smell of bacon. You know what I mean? And I'm smelling it. And I'm being told, you're never going to be able to have it. So you can smell it, but you're never going to be able to have it. All right? Now, there's a purpose in even telling you that. And here's the purpose. For many of us in this world today, we have actually stopped desiring righteousness because we actually believe that it's unattainable. There's something, especially in believers today, where we've actually stopped desiring this idea that we could be righteous because through what we've been taught, we just believe it to be unattainable. There's actually kind of this weird tension between this idea that you and I are righteous by faith in God's eyes and then this concept that we aren't always living a completely upright life. There's the tension. Like we're reading that we are made righteous by faith in God's eyes, but yet we know our life and we know what we're doing and the life that we're living is not, if we're honest, always completely upright, right? Because at some point we were kind of taught that righteousness means perfect behavior and we tried it and we failed and then we back up and basically ask ourselves this, why would we hunger for something that we can't have? Why do I want to smell bacon when I can't eat it, right? Why do we want to even talk about righteousness if we can't have it? Jesus, I got a question. I was all cool for meekness. I was all cool with mourning. I was cool with being poor in spirit. But now you're just saying stuff to say stuff because you're telling me that I should desire and hunger and thirst for something that I cannot have. I've tried and I failed. There was a season in all of our lives where we were the best we thought we could be. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm doing good. Woke up this morning and read a Bible verse. You know what I mean? Listened to worship music on the way to work. Didn't cuss anybody out on the way up to my office. Like, we thought we were doing really good. And then something happened and we didn't. And we find ourselves right back in this, I I guess I just can't attain it. Now, listen, you, you have to go with me on this. When Jesus is teaching... When he's about to preach this sermon, what's happening in culture in that day is that the religious people, the Pharisees, those that were were going through school to be preachers, basically, those who had memorized scripture, I'm talking about the, the religious, the highest religious people in that day were using the Ten Commandments to justify that they were righteous in just themselves. They would take these commandments and say, I did this, I did this, I did this. Therefore, not because of God, not because of Jesus, but because of my actions and my perfection, I am righteous. 
That is what basically was happening. When you read your Bible and when Jesus showed up on the scene, the reason he came in wanting to flip tables is because there were people walking around justifying that they were righteous and therefore anybody who wasn't as righteous as them needed to bow down to them. So here's what Jesus does. After he gets to the Beatitudes, he starts preaching and he's actually going to raise the bar of righteousness going to raise it up for every person that's saying I'm righteous he's going to say oh are you well check this out you've heard it said that you shouldn't murder I'm telling you you shouldn't even be angry at somebody raise it up oh you didn't commit murder so you're righteous well have you been angry at somebody then you're not righteous he says I'm telling you you've heard you shouldn't commit adultery I'm raising it up and saying you shouldn't even look or have a lustful thought about another person raising the bar He goes on to say that if your eye makes you sin, pluck it out. (laughs) If your hand makes you sin, cut it off. And Jesus is raising this bar of righteousness because he's surrounded with people who have said, we've obtained righteousness without you, and we are righteous. And here's what Jesus says. We can't make ourselves righteous. There is nothing you and I can do. There's no performance we can have. There's no target we can hit. It doesn't matter how good you are, somebody else is doing better, okay? It doesn't matter. We cannot make ourselves righteous. And here's how we can prove it. You ready? How could we ever live up to God's standards if we can't live up to our own? I don't know about you, but I don't live up to my standards. My standards as a husband, my standards as a father, my standards as just a godly man, as a friend, as a pastor. I I set high standards, and I don't ever make them. So if I don't live up to to my standards, then how could I ever live up to God's? And it's almost like in our culture today, we've been fooled into believing that our performance activates and accelerates our righteousness. That depending on how we perform, it starts our righteousness— or it speeds it up. But here's the situation. The first actual step to being righteous is to recognize that we can't make it without him. The very first step. So we're being told that our performance accelerates, activates, but Jesus is saying the very first step to you even, even being able to obtain righteousness is to understand that you can't make yourself righteous. It's almost like an oxymoron, right? Like the first step for you to be righteous is to understand that you can't be righteous, that you can't make yourself righteous, but Jesus is saying you can be righteous. So here's what he says in Matthew 5, 6. Watch this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness. Blessed are those who desire righteousness. Now let me do my best to define for you what righteousness means because we've heard it like man that's righteous y'all remember that era it's not necessarily what it means scripturally righteousness means to be made right with God that's that's what righteousness is if I'm righteous I'm right with God and so Jesus says blessed are those who desire who hunger and thirst to be made right with God and those who desire to be made right with God will be filled We'll be satisfied. We'll be made right with God. Now, this would have been really bad. Pay attention. This would have been really bad if Jesus was saying, the imperfect should desire to be perfect. 
if that's what Jesus was saying, we're in trouble. Because us, the imperfect, will never be perfect. But what Jesus was saying is this, that the imperfect should desire to be with him who is perfect. Do you see the difference? We think that Jesus is asking us, imperfect people, to all of a sudden be perfect. And there are people in our culture all over that believe this. That they think that this whole concept of Christianity is for us imperfect people to move in a direction to where we will be perfect. But Jesus says that's not what it is. It's for the imperfect to desire to be with him who is perfect. And once we are with him who is perfect, the him, the perfection of him, then embraces us and makes us perfect in God's eyes through Jesus. That's the concept. Paul goes on in the book of Romans. He's writing to the church in Rome. And watch what he says. He says, we are made right with God. Well, how? How are we made right with God? By placing our faith in Jesus Christ. By putting our faith in Jesus, we are made right with God. Watch this. I love this. And this is true for everyone who what? Melanie just told us. Everyone who believes. And then Jesus is so good, and Paul is so influenced by the Holy Spirit that he knew on this day, July 3rd, I think it is, I'm I'm old, in 2022, that somebody would be in this room, hear this sermon, and they would go, not me. He knew somebody would say that. So what does he say? No matter who you are, no matter how bad you are, no matter how dumb you think you are, No matter how much you think you failed, Paul says, as long as you believe in Jesus Christ, you are made right with God. It's like Jesus was saying this. Those who want to be made right with God can be. They can be. And so when I'm reading this and I'm thinking about you and I'm thinking about me and this desire for us to be satisfied in the life that we live in, to understand that God is satisfaction but most of us put this distance between us and God because we think we have to be righteous to get close to him and we look in the mirror and we realize we're not righteous and so we create distance and if we know that we're made right with God by Jesus and we know that if we get in the presence of God we find satisfaction I kept coming back to this question over and over again back to this question how come I don't have hunger and thirst for God right if If I know that God satisfies me, if I know that I can be in the presence of God because I believe in Jesus, not because of my performance, then why isn't there more of an appetite for God? Well, what's happening? And I understand that a lot of it's sin. I get that, that when a sin is mobile in our world, that's going to happen. But I came to two thoughts, two thoughts that I wanted to share with you and break down a little bit as to why you and I might find ourselves in a time in our life where an appetite for God isn't as strong as it should be. That this appetite to be in his presence, the appetite to come to church and learn his word, that something, that there might be some things that are kind of derailing our appetite for God. And I want to share two of them with you. Number one is this, we're full on other things. That it might be possible, might just be possible that we aren't as hungry for God, that we don't hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God, being right with God as much as we should because we are full on other things. 
So you got to understand that when it comes to this appetite for God, sometimes the weakness of our hunger for God is not because God is unsavory, not because God tastes bad, but because you and I might be filled up on other things. That it's possible that the things that you and I are taking in are causing our appetite for God to all of a sudden be curved. Those of you that have parents and your kids are older, you know, not more elementary or, or, or above, you remember a time where your kid has come into your house and said, I'm hungry. And you said, get something to eat then. And they go to the pantry and grab all the junk food. You know what I mean? They're grabbing Pop-Tarts and cereal and cookies. And you, because you are a great parent, you are, you step up and go, no, get you something that's healthy. Get you something with some nutrients, right? Have you some fruit. You know, do something. Get something good for your body. Or maybe you've had your kid come in and go, Mom, Dad, I'm thirsty. And they open up the refrigerator and grab a Coca-Cola or sweet tea or juice. And you're like, no, you need water. See how good you are as a parent? You deserve an award. Here's why that's important. Because for some reason, you and I, from the very, when we were a little bitty, little, little, I know that books say we are, like a, like a certain seed, watermelon seed or whatever in mom's belly. From that beginning time, you and I are not good at processing our hunger and thirst. We don't know how to deal with it. I'm hungry, so what do I want? Something that tastes good. Give me the Pop-Tarts. Give me the cereal. No, you need nutrients. You need something good for your body. Have that after you've had something healthy, right? I'm thirsty. I, I got kidney stones years ago, and the reason was I would go on a Monday night and play three hours of basketball and not drink one glass of water. And then I would leave, go straight to McDonald's and get a large sweet tea and down the sweet tea. And I ended up in the hospital, people. But this is what we do. We are thirsting for the presence of God. And because we don't quite know how to process it, we just go and grab what we think we need. I need to be around some people. I need some money. I, need, I just need some chill time. And we try to find these things that we think we need and we're thirsting for the righteousness of God and we end up putting the wrong things. Listen to me. There's a hunger for God inside of us that often goes not recognized for what it is. There are people right now that have like an empty feeling and that's because they desire the presence of God and they don't understand that. They, they don't know what this empty feeling is and so they go out trying to find different things to fill that emptiness because they don't know what they need. There's some people who experience this sense of a lack of purposelessness and we start assessing our job. Oh, I guess my job's not fulfilling me. There's just something, I don't know. So we quit this job and go to that job and then we get to this job and six months later we feel the same way and go, oh, I guess this job doesn't fulfill me because what you're hungering for is not that. What we hunger and thirst for is the righteousness of God. And because we're just trying to fill the emptiness, what ends up happening is it's basically us looking for junk food that will mask the pains of hunger. And there are so many people today that naturally there's this desire in them for the presence of God. And they don't know that. They don't understand it. And they've been taught that unless they're perfect, they can't come to him. And so they find other things to be able to feel that emptiness. 
and they go from thing to thing to thing and finally go, I guess I'll never be satisfied. The writer of Proverbs is pretty cool. In Proverbs 27, verse 7, he says this, a person who is full refuses honey and even bitter food tastes sweet to the hungry. So here's what's great about that. First of all, let's talk about the second part first. When we're hungry, we'll eat anything. Darla will make all these like fruity bowls and all this healthy stuff. And I'm like, that's, you should put that straight in the garbage, like right now. <laughs> but if I'm hungry, I'm like, man, that looks good. You know what I mean? Because when we're hungry, we'll eat anything. But my favorite part was the first part where he said, those who are full refuse honey. Here's what he means. When there's no space for anything, even something that's sweet, even something that's good for us, we will refuse because we don't have any space for it. You mean to tell me we would refuse the presence of God? We would refuse the miracles and the healing and the power and the grace and the mercy and the love of God? Yeah, because we don't have any time for it. We don't have any space for it. We filled every time slot up with something that we thought would satisfy us because we misdiagnosed the hunger to begin with. The greatest enemy of a hunger for God is not poison, but apple pie. Now watch, if you're taking notes, this is the time to start writing. This is the most, you hadn't thought about this. Watch this. Not everything that derails our appetite for God is bad. That's, this, is, this is what we've been taught. Well, if you don't hunger for God, you're in sin, brother. You know what I mean? You must be walking with the devil. Like, it's just this concept that if, we don't, if we're not like 100% dying for God and want to be with God, then we must be an absolute hellion. That's not the case. Sometimes we are just full with good things. Like the simple pleasures of life. Things that are not bad, but they're not great. Things that are good, but they're not God. But they've taken up the time, and they've taken the energy. And again, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It just means that you might be busy. It just means that you think this is right. You know what I mean? Like, like, I don't know, I need to work more because I need to, because I provide. Like, sometimes things happen. We need to say yes to everything because we need friends, and the Bible says we need friends, and we just, there's just good things that they're good, but when they fill us up and we no longer have an appetite for God, it's not that they're bad, but we're settling for good when we could have God. One day I needed to go over to Dana and Christina's house to talk through the baptismal situation that he was building it for me and we needed to talk about it, meet about it. And I was talking to him, and he said he was going to be home about 7, 7.30, something like that. And I said, great. I said, I'll do this. I'll eat dinner. I'll, you know, I don't think I told him I was going to eat dinner. But I just said, in my mind, I'll eat dinner, and I'll come over to your house. Darla was out. I don't think the girls were at home. And when that happens, you know, you just do what every man does. You go to get fast food, right? And so I went to Arby's, and Arby's got these little sliders. Y'all know what I'm talking about? If you don't know, it's manna from heaven. You're right. It's manna. Uh, the roast beef one, it comes like on this. Don't get me started, y'all. We were in church halfway through. And you get the horsey sauce, and you dip it in the horsey sauce, and it's just hallelujah. Um, uh, anyway, uh, so, so I'm hungry. I go. I get four. Don't judge me on this either. I'm a grown boy. I go and get four of the Arby sliders and some fries and, like, 
four horsey sots packets and come back home and I pig out and eat it. And as soon as I'm done eating it, I call up Dana. I said, I'm coming to your house to meet about the baptismal. He's like, all right, come on. I, I pull up to their house. I park. I get out of the car. Him, Christina, and Aiden are in the garage. I walk up to the garage, happy and full, and Christina hands me this to-go container. And I'm like, what is this? And she said, I just made homemade uh, chicken fried chicken, chicken fried steak with mashed potatoes and white gravy, like mashed potatoes, you know what I mean? Swimming in a sea of white gravy, just glorious, just hand-battered, you know what I mean? Like just, 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 she kneaded the dough and put it, and it's, it's, it's so beautiful that it has created moisture on the top of the to-go container, dripping, it's so good. And I open up and I see it. An instant depression went from all the way through. Because here's what I thought. I just wasted every space I had in my belly. And I got space for both. But, you know, the Bible says don't be glutton. So it is what it is. And don't get me wrong. I ate it the next day. All right. But in that moment, I was like, I could have had homemade chicken fried steak with mashed potatoes swimming in a sea of white gravy, and I had oiled up french fries. You know what I mean? Now look, I'm going to be honest with you. Before she handed me that to-go box, I was very pleased with Arby's. I would have told you that I was blessed and highly favored. You know what I mean? Like, it, it was good. But once I got and saw what I could have had, then I realized that this wasn't as satisfying as I thought it was. Started to learn that I had settled for one thing when I could have had this. You know what I mean? And this is what, if we're not careful, this is what will happen in our world. It's not bad. Compared to something else, it's pretty good. But what we could have had with God, I know you had a nap and it was good, but you could have read some scripture. And you could have been encouraged. And you could have heard exactly what you needed to hear from God. It was good. And in any other day, it's really good. But it ain't God. We live in a time, y'all, where our world and our culture is giving us endless options to try and fulfill our hunger. One thing this world is good at is telling you how you should spend your time. And here we are starving and we feed on TikTok. Don't make me preach. Where's my child at? <laughs> Kidding, you're really good at it. Not TikTok, we don't let her, but you know what, anyway, I'm not doing a parent conference right now. <laughs> but we have this like, in, these endless options in our world to satisfy our hunger. And these things are not God. And here's my question for you. If we were born with this natural longing for God, this natural hunger and thirst for God, and if right now we don't have it, what's killing our appetite for God? What is it? What are we partaking in? Again, that's not necessarily bad or sin, but it's filling us up to a point that we are not hungering for the presence of God. And we walk around unsatisfied, really wishing we were. And we're holding in our hands something that would satisfy us, but we don't have the capacity to take it in.
So number one is this, the reason why we may not be appetite, may not have an appetite for God is because we build up on other things. Number two is this, we don't understand nor do we know how good he is. We don't know how good he is. For a lot of us, the reason why we don't wake up desiring to be in the presence of God is because we just don't know how good he is. Our perception of him is off for a bunch of different reasons. It will always be the enemy's goal to develop in us the wrong thinking of who God is and how God thinks about you. This is always the goal of the enemy. Something happens to you and he twists it to make you think differently about God so that you won't desire the presence of God. It's always to change how you think he thinks about you and who you think he is altogether. I was reading an article that said in today in our world, millennials are actually creating a shift of culture away from the church. thought that was interesting, that millennials are shifting. So you've got this, at one time in our life, church was, I'm not saying people went for the right reasons, a lot of people went out of law, but the church was the place to be. And millennials, according to this article, have started this movement that's shifting people away from church. And I just thought that was interesting. And then I'll be in conversations with people sometimes, and I'll say, talk to them about God, and they'll say something like this. You know, I tried God. I tried that Christianity thing, and I just didn't like it. Like, it just wasn't, I love this one, it just wasn't for me. You know what I mean? It just wasn't for me. And I don't get mad about it, but when I read articles about the millennials and I hear what people are saying, here's the questions that come to my mind. What did they try? You know? And where did they try him? Like, if they don't want to be, if somebody doesn't yearn to be in the presence of God, what were they told about him? If somebody wants to get away from the church, where did they experience God? What was that like? What were they taught? What I love about this church is we got a lot of people in here who at one time got a whole different perspective of who Jesus was. And then when they learned who he really was, this passion and hunger for God shifted. So anytime I hear somebody go, oh man, I tried that God thing. I always ask them, where did you try it? And what was it like? I'm a big sushi fan. We got any sushi fans in here? You like sushi? So, so far we've got Arby's, coffee, sushi. I don't, what was it? Bacon. There you go. Thought y'all said pancakes. I like them too. Um, love me some sushi. And I'm talking to a friend of mine a couple weeks ago. And we were talking about different things to eat. And I said, man, I'd love some sushi. And he, out of nowhere, he went, ah, I hate sushi. He was passionate too. Like, ah, I hate sushi. And I was like, what? Like, how could you hate sushi? Like, it's, it's one of the best things in the world. How do you hate it? And he's going on about how nasty it is and how he'll never eat it again. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. How many times have you had sushi? He said, I had it one time and it was enough. I was like, where did you have it at? He said, I don't know, it was some Chinese buffet. I'm done. We can pray. I ain't bashing Chinese buffets. That's where it's at. But not for sushi. You know what I mean? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Give me the Kung Pao chicken and them little bread, little fried dough breads. Hallelujah, bread. Find a way to make it in every sermon. You know what I mean? But you can keep the cold, crusty sushi. The rice is like as hard as your chair. You know what I mean? Been sitting on that frozen plate for three days. 
They just take it, put it in the fridge, put it back out. Like, nah, this ain't, that fish is still alive. It was caught in Piercy Priest. You know what I mean? Something ain't right. So I told him, I was like, no wonder you hate it. No wonder. Look where you tried it at. For some people, no wonder they don't want any of God. Look where they tried him at. Look what they've been heard. Look what they've been taught about him. No wonder they don't want anything to do with God. They think he's just an angry boss who wants them to act his way and not have any fun. They don't realize who he really is. Because when you know who he really is, does anybody know who he really is? When you know who he really is. Woo! He ain't Chinese buffet sushi. David is writing in Psalms, and he writes in Psalm 34. It's so beautiful. He says, I sought the Lord. I wanted to know who he really was. So I sought the Lord. And what did he do? He answered me. Why? Because he answers. He answers. Well, he didn't answer me. It's because he said what you didn't want to hear. He answered. He delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Their faces are never covered with shame. If you seek God and you really find him, you're never covered with shame. That's Chinese buffet sushi. That's not my Jesus. This poor man called, talking about himself. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He said, I wasn't of any value, any prestige. I wasn't righteous. I called in the Lord. He saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. And watch what he says. He says, hey, listen. Hey, listen. Look at me. Listen. Taste and see that he is good. Whatever they told you, that's Chinese buffet sushi. Taste and see that he is good good. Just really taste it. Find the real him and just, just try it. You ever been out with somebody who ordered something really good and they love you and they go, you gotta try this. You know what I mean? Darla and I were out of town in Cleveland. And she was ordering all these vegan meals and she's like, you gotta try it. I became vegan in Cleveland. Like this is better than anything I've ever had. You gotta taste it. But for a lot of us, we don't taste, we don't hunger for God. Watch this, because of what we think we know about God. And information about God is a poor substitute for intimacy with God. I'll say it again. Information about God is a poor substitute for intimacy with God. So I told my friend, I said, uh, I said you ever been to rock and roll sushi? He said, what? I said, don't go back to that Chinese buffet. I said, Google rock and roll sushi. I'm not saying this is the best sushi place. I'm just letting you know. I said, they got a roll there that has filet mignon in it. I said, they'll put that like fried shrimp with mango and kiwi and sweet chili sauce. And as I'm saying it, you can see he's like physically salivating. You know what I mean? I'm like, that's where you should go. Whatever you tried before, forget about it. You need to go somewhere where it's authentic. You need to go somewhere where it's made fresh. You need to go somewhere where it's really how it's supposed to be. Because when you taste it there, now all of a sudden you can't get enough of it. And I thought for a second, 
that I just would share with you for a moment the Jesus I know. That I would slide you my plate for a second and say, hey, try this. Because I don't do this because it's my job. It's my job because it's everything to me. To be able to just for a second say, you got to taste this. He's the one who took my place and my punishment. And according to the Bible, when I was still a sinner, he's the one who loves me despite what I do and who I think I am. He's the one who gives me hope in a better way. He's the one who draws close when I hurt. You know, uh, months ago when we were still in the school, I did this sermon illustration. I don't even remember what the message was, but I had purchased this little stuffed animal of Jesus. And I had him in this basket under like a blanket or whatever, and the time came, and I pulled him out for the illustration. I'll never forget this. Darn, I talk about it all the time. I pulled it out, and I instantly got emotional. It's a stuffed animal of Jesus, y'all. I'm a grown man. 37 years old, two kids, grown. I got I to pay bills. I'm a grown man, and I'm crying at a stuffed animal. And we were talking about it, and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm physically, go back and watch the sermon. I'm physically emotional while I'm trying to hold this stuffed animal. It's in my office now. In case Ray gets it, I said, don't play with Jesus. <laughs> you better put him back. And, and I, think, I, I think it's because it's the closest I've ever come to embodying him. You know what I mean? Because I can't see him. There's a day coming where I will, but because I can't, when I saw that, it was something that kind of put him there with me and I was overwhelmed with the emotion that the one that I'm madly in love with was right there. I've wanted to hold him, touch him, grab him, embrace him because of all that he's done for me. I have a friend who told me one time, he said, it's like you're on stage getting up saying, hey, I have a friend named Jesus and I want to introduce you to him. That's always been my prayer. I have no desire to communicate to you law and religion. I just want you to see love and grace. I just want you to understand who he is. For every person that's ever tasted him at the wrong place and in the wrong way, I'm telling you, that wasn't him. I'm not telling you life's easy. I had the hardest day of my life in 2020. I'll never forget it. I was running a random road in Arlington, Tennessee, having the worst day, worst season of my life. And I was so mad. I was lamenting at God. And all of a sudden, I felt the Lord say to me, you want to leave me too? He used a verse that's in the Bible, that disciples, talking to disciples, that that's, that's, it wasn't audible, but I just felt it in my spirit. And I stopped running, I was crying, headphones on, and I remember saying exactly what the disciples said back to him. Where am I going to go? You are the best thing that has ever happened to me. Where am I going to go? I'm telling you that because I'm not telling you that I'm always walking around happy and it's great. You know what I mean? Like stuff happens. But he's still good. He's better than good. He's great. And if you don't know that, then I'm telling you right now, you got to take a second taste. 
Because once you really understand who he is, you will begin to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And when people bring you Arby sliders, you will say, no, thank you. I've got country fried steak with mashed potatoes swimming in a sea of white gravy waiting on me. Paul gets ready to write this letter to the church of Ephesus. It's in the book called Ephesians. It's a collection of his letters to the church of Ephesus. Chapter 3. And what he's writing about is his experience with God. Watch what he says. He says, and I pray that you, that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power. This is where people stop. And they go, oh yeah, we want, we want power. Give me power. It's not what he's talking about. Keep watching it. That you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, right? All of us, that you may have power to grasp. That you would have power to understand. That you could get outside of your limited brain and be able to actually wrap your mind around what? How wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Jesus Christ. And to know this love surpasses knowledge that you may be, you, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That you may be what? Those are blessed when they desire or when they hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. We thought we were supposed to be filled with righteousness. We were supposed to get full on the love of God. It's never been about us being righteous. What good does righteousness do me here? I've never led anybody to the Lord because I was righteous. Jesus wasn't talking about we would be filled with righteousness. We'd be filled with him. And because he's righteous and we're filled with righteousness, we then are righteous. Blessed are those who hunger for the presence of God, for they will get it. Do you know the hardest thing about being hungry? Is knowing where to eat. If you're not married yet, you haven't experienced this to the worst capacity. Goes kind of like this. Those of you that are engaged, I know I've got a few friends in here that are engaged. Let me prepare you for what is soon coming your way in the highly favored future. Honey. Yes, babe. Where would you like to eat? Thank you. Tommy, say it again. Say it again. You choose, you Pharisees. You choose. I don't care. It's the body language. Whatever you want, honey. First thing you say, oh, well, let's go, let's go to Cheddar's. No. I want that. Oh, okay. Uh, let's, go, let's go to Longhorns. We went there. Ah. Uh, after about the, I don't know, 27th, 28th option, you then go, well, what do you want? 
It's the biggest lie. We, we are working on a marriage conference in November. I think I'm going to get it together. But let me let you into my life for a second. I know what's happening between me and God's glorious gift to my life. My precious and beautiful better half is I've already got something in mind that I want, right? You know you do it. And she's already got something in her mind that she wants. But everybody trying to be meek, you know what I mean? <laughs> what do you want to eat? I don't care. I, we already know. Here's what I felt the Holy Spirit tell me as I finished the sermon. Everybody in that room today is going to walk into that church the way that conversation happens with food. And God is going to ask, what do you need? And we're going to go, I don't care. I don't care. Whatever you want, God. And it's not true. We all need something right now. From the presence of God. And week after week after week, if you're not careful, you will walk in here and the love and the mercy that is deep, high, wide will say to you, my child, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? And you'll go, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't care. I don't care. And here he is, arms wide open. And we get up and we walk out, we walk out the door. We go, you know what, I just, I don't feel like I got fed today. Don't feel like I got what I needed today. Let's stop that charade today. Let's stop it today. And let's believe Jesus when he says, those who desire, who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. And let's believe that if today we actually told Jesus what we needed, that he would meet the need. Let's believe it. What if, he, what if he's real? What if this whole thing is for real? And what if when we taste him, we're satisfied? Now I get it. You need tacos today. Gonna need burgers next Sunday. That's okay. He's not overwhelmed with your issues. He just wants to be a part. He literally says, if you want me, you get me. Amen? Everybody stand with me just for a moment. Worship team, you guys can go ahead and come up. Hear my heart when I tell you that life is not easy and that a lot of things are going to go the different way than you thought they were. But I promise you, I promise you, he's faithful. He's faithful. I want to invite Chris and just a couple of prayer warriors down for a moment because I just want to give you an opportunity. Obviously, we'll have corporate prayer. But for anybody in here, you, you got a need. You got a need and you need, you need somebody to lay hands on you, pray with you. I don't know that there's anything better than that. Like I said, I want to pray over every one of you, and I will. 
But sometimes, sometimes you're just kind of at the end of the rope. What do you need? <laughs> We're going to, you'll see it coming up, but we've been doing some research for at the movies. Y'all ever seen The Notebook? There's this scene where the guy in The Notebook, he's like, what do you want? What do you, what do you want? What do you want? What do you need? What do you need? From the Savior of the world, from the righteous Son of God, from your Savior, from your friend, what do you need? Close your eyes right now. Father, I pray every person in this room, I can't even imagine the downloads you're getting right now, the needs. I know my needs. I know they're all across the board. But I know that you're faithful. I know that you're omnipresent. I know that you can handle my needs and every person in this room's needs. That through this process this morning, I pray we'd learn to hunger and thirst for your presence. For every person that thought they had to be perfect to be around you, I pray they'd understand now that they are made perfect by being around you. Begin to draw out needs right now, Father. Speak to hearts like only your Holy Spirit can do. Minister to people. If you're in this place right now, you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. The best decision you'll ever make is to give your heart to Christ. The Bible says you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth. You will be saved. I'm going to continue to finish my prayer, but if you'd like to give your heart to Jesus or you'd like somebody to pray for you, when I get done and I say amen, this band's going to go into singing, we want to just invite you down to pray. If you're not coming down, you need to put your hands in the air and you need to right now think about where you need the presence of God in your life. For some of you, it's your marriage. For some of you, it's your job. For some of you, it's your emotions. It's your thought process. It's your children. It's the child you're trying to have. It's the family member you lost. It's the healing you need. It's the understanding you're begging for. What do you need? What do you need? Father. I pray right now. Like only you can do. It's a privilege to preach your word. But there isn't a thing I can do for any person in this room. But you can. So have your way in this place this morning for just a few moments, Father, as we worship you, as people pray, that you would bring a supernatural, supernatural healing, supernatural understanding. That, Father, we'd worship you from our testimony. Thank you for all that you've done and cry out for what we need you to do. Have your way in this place, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.